friend. Uh, oh, here we go. Good morning. Uh, we are so glad that you're able to be with us today and that we get the opportunity to worship with you. Uh, this morning, I have Kyle in the room with me here. I don't know if you can see him or not. There we go. Uh, Kyle's going to be bringing our first sermon on uh, Revelation to us today. And uh, we're going to be looking for several weeks uh, at the book of Revelation. And I've, I've been anticipating this for a while. It was actually supposed to be our summer series from the beginning. Uh, but we kind of, we shifted things a little bit uh, with all the chaos and, and change that was going on in the world at the time. We thought maybe it would be good to put Revelation on the back burner. But now, uh, I think there's a lot of good to come out of this book. And so this morning, you're going to hear a fantastic sermon from Kyle about uh, Revelation and some of the themes of Revelation and understanding apocalyptic literature in general. And so uh, I hope that you are as excited about this as I am. If you're not, I think you will be uh, over the course of this sermon series. Uh, Revelation is a fantastic book filled with a lot of really powerful messages for us as the church. And so uh, I invite you to, uh, to stick around through this series. I think it will be uh, very encouraging and uplifting as we examine the story of Scripture. Um, we're going to go ahead and do our announcements really quick here. Uh, I want to share these with you so that you know uh, some of what's going on. Um, and we have some some big announcements, uh, some really good stuff. Whoa, I jumped too far ahead. Some really good stuff uh, has happened this week. And one that I want to highlight uh, is one that you may not know about. I know an email went out earlier this week, but not everyone gets the emails. Uh, we had a baptism. Uh, Erica Hammer was baptized this week, and uh, that is good news. Um, we are we're excited to celebrate with the Hammers. We're excited to celebrate with Erica. Uh, she was baptized out at Camp Yamhill, and I want to share the video with you uh, so that we can kind of all celebrate and and remember this moment for her uh, together. So here we go. So I'm excited about that. I hope you're excited as well. Uh, it is fantastic whenever anyone comes to know Jesus and we get to celebrate that with them. Uh, I'd encourage you to, to send some, some encouraging notes. I'm still on mute. Kyle's here, so he's able to help me catch myself when I'm on mute. Uh, we're excited because uh, we, we get to celebrate Erica and celebrate the good work of Jesus in her life. And so I want to encourage you, uh, reach out to Erica, uh, send her some cards, some notes, just to, to encourage her in the, the decision that she's made to put Christ on in baptism. Um, it's, a, it's a monumental moment in her life, the, the biggest decision that she will ever make, and, uh, and we're so excited that she's chosen to make that decision. Uh, we have a couple of other announcements to share. Uh, we have some online small groups that are going on. We have our Wednesday night adult class. Those are all hosted over Zoom. Uh, if you need the login information for any of those, you can reach out to the office or to the individual hosts. We also have a number of home groups that are currently meeting, uh, and we want to invite you to uh, reach out to the office if you're interested in being involved in a home group. Uh, we know that a number of you are looking for home groups to be involved in. We also have a couple who have reached out to us that would like to be placed in home groups, and we're going to get you placed this week. Uh, but we are, we're excited about uh, seeing these communities that are forming and the opportunity for people to have fellowship with one another at this time. Um, finally, remind you about virtual VBS. We are in the process of putting together all of our videos and our, our packets and things to give out to you when VBS rolls around on August 17th. 
but you need to register so that we know how many people to expect so we can put together all the items that we need. And so uh, you can find the, the registration on the church website. Uh, it's also gone out in a couple of emails, and we would encourage you to register early and then share that information with your, your friends and neighbors. Um, maybe make it a point to have uh, like a backyard VBS situation if you're comfortable and, uh, and social distancing rules allow. Um, all that said, uh, we're going to move into our, our time of worship together, uh, and we are going to continue with our scripture reading this morning uh, from Jim. Good morning, church. Uh, this morning's scripture reading is found in the book of Revelation, starting with the first chapter and verse 9. And it reads, I, John, your brother and companion, your suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll of what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and when coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the, are the seven churches. May God bless the reading of his word. Hey there, church family. It's great to be with you again. It's been uh, quite a while since I've been able to bring the message, and so I'm really glad to be able to do that and uh, to kick off a, a series on the book of Revelation. It's kind of a daunting task, but I'm really excited for it. Um, uh, ready to, to dive in. But before we do, one thing I'd like to do um, with with all of us here together is to uh, pray for Becky Lubin. Um, probably a lot of you got a, the an email if you're on the prayer request email that she uh, went to the, the hospital. And so I'd, I'd like to pray for her uh, and Bob right now if we can. So, so please join me in that as we, we pray together. God, I... My heart today uh, goes out to to Becky and to Bob um, as I I struggle to find the words to know what kind of comfort to bring, uh, what what request to ask of you, uh, Lord. You know our hearts. You know that so desperately we want uh, healing to be brought to her um, to her physical body, Lord. Um, there, there's so many things that uh, we can't understand, and so right now, God, as we, um, just as we, as our hearts go out uh, for for Becky and for Bob, Lord, we pray for your comfort for her. Um, we pray that you would be with Bob as he uh, cares for for Becky and uh, the the whole family, Lord. Um, 
Lord, we know that you are a God of love and comfort, that you are victorious over sin and death. Lord, we pray at this time that you would heal her. Um, and God, as I just, as I really do just struggle to know what to ask, Lord, I, I just pray most of all for your love and comfort to be given uh, to Becky and to Bob at this time, Lord. Um, our hearts uh, cry out to you for this, and Lord, I just pray that you would hear our prayer. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Uh, thank you uh, for joining me in that, um, and I really encourage you, if you can, reach out to, to Bob or to Becky and just send them some encouragement this week. All right, so we are in this new series on Revelation. Um, by the way, it's not Revelations with an S. I always used to make that mistake, but it's not plural. Um, although there have been many Revelations in Scripture, we're just looking at the one given to John. And the thing about this book is that people either really love it, obsessively so, or they hate it um, because they're kind of afraid of what they don't know. And that's just a good way kind of to characterize Revelation. It's, um, it's a very complicated book. Um, Christian tradition says that all of Jesus' remaining disciples were martyred except for John, uh, who is the author who you know wrote down this revelation. Um, he was most likely the young guy of the group. And here about 60 years uh, after Jesus' ascension, he's exiled on the island of Patmos. Um, and after all he had been through, being the disciple whom Jesus loved, being part of Jesus' inner circle, um, resting his head on his chest at the Last Supper. He's now um, at you know the end of his life, and he's writing down this message to complete the canon of Scripture. Um, there's a couple resources I'd really like to point you to as we get in here. Um, and just so you, you know, today, um, hopefully you don't get too bogged down, but Today we're really laying a lot of the groundwork for this book. There's kind of a lot we need to talk about before we can really dive in. And so that's kind of my goal for today. So if you're looking for more um, study after today, I'd recommend two things. First of all, The Bible Project has put out some really great videos on the book of Revelation and how to understand apocalyptic literature, which we'll talk about. And then another book I'd recommend is a book by Michael Gorman called Reading Revelation Responsibly. Um, just a really great resource to understand Revelation. So, Revelation, as I mentioned, has often been misunderstood. And today what I hope to do as we introduce this series is look at many ways in which it has been misunderstood and try to bring some clarity. And first off, I really want to stress that this is the revelation of Jesus. A lot of people refer to this as the revelation of John. It's the revelation to John, but these are the words of Jesus. You might notice if your Bible does this, a lot of the words are in red, and that's because this is Jesus talking. Um, and John's recording the things that he has heard and the things that he has seen. <clears throat> so what is Revelation all about? What is it? What's it about? There's really three things here that I want to look at as we try to understand what is Revelation. How do we approach uh, this text, this Holy Scripture? How do we understand it? And the first is that it is what's called apocalyptic literature. Now, when you first hear the word apocalyptic, you're probably thinking about like doomsday literature. Uh, it's not The Walking Dead. It's not Godzilla although it might look a little bit like that. And it's not the road. It's not these, um, uh, you know, works that are kind of doomsday. It's really about this idea of unveiling. The word um, apocalypsis means unveiling. It's visionary prophecy using bizarre imagery and symbolism to reveal something that was previously hidden. I want to read... Um, just verses 10 and 12 again really quickly. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice, a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. So he's, he's hearing something. And then in verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. So this is about what John 
is hearing, but also what he's about about what he is seeing, and that brings kind of a new element to this idea of pro- prophecy. It's not just what God is saying; it's what God is revealing to John. So this would have been actually very common, uh, a very common genre to the early listeners, to the to Jewish people or people from this time. What seems very bizarre to us would have been kind of normal almost. So really the first thing we need to look at when we're thinking about apocalyptic literature and what is revelation is that it's very symbolic. And there's two main reasons for using this symbolic visionary uh, method of delivering this message. The first is that it's describing divine realities using human terms and understanding. Sometimes God shows things to humans throughout Scripture that it's very hard for them to articulate what they actually saw. So I think about like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when all of a sudden he's um, thrusted into the throne room of God and he, he sees all of these cre- these heavenly beings and he says the, the, the entire temple, his robe filled the entire temple. I mean... He's trying to describe what he's seeing, and it seems like his human words are just falling a little short. You'll notice in the book of Revelation, John will often use this phrase, it was like, or it's like. Um, And that's basically him saying, I can't perfectly describe to you what I'm seeing, so let me try to describe it in human terms. A lot of times, John, he's seeing things and he's trying to describe it in ways that we can understand. But what's most important is the symbolism of what these things mean. And we'll get to that in a moment. So the other reason uh, apocalyptic literature often uses symbolism is because sometimes the message is meant to be a little cryptic to certain people. Not to the people it's intended to, but perhaps to others. So symbols have meaning, and if you don't know the meaning, then you can't understand the message. And a lot of scholars talk about, um, you know, what if the Romans had gotten a hold of this letter as John's, you know, trying to send it out to these churches. If they were to read this letter and it was very plain speak uh, about, you know, God overthrowing evil empires, they may have destroyed it, you know. Um, But when they read it, they might just think, oh, this is just more Christian nonsense. So in some ways, it's actually meant to be misunderstood by some, by the people that it's kind of talking about. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second as well. So sometimes when we're reading apocalyptic literature, it can seem so confusing. You know, there's all these numbers, there's these symbols. What does it all mean? That's why it can be just so frustrating sometimes when people read Revelation and they're trying to understand what's it all about. And sometimes what we really need to do is just look at Scripture, look at the Old Testament. There's many other times in the Old Testament where symbols are used to um, explain things. Uh, I think I think often about Jesus being described as a lamb. You know, that sounds kind of normal to us because we understand that symbol. If I were to tell anyone on the street that my Savior is is like a lamb, they probably wouldn't understand because sheep are kind of dumb and smelly. But when we understand the story of the Exodus Passover and that the lamb was sacrificed so that the family could be saved, then we understand why Jesus is described as a lamb in Revelation. So sometimes we need to understand these Old Testament symbols so that we can understand what's going on in Revelation, in other apocalyptic literature. Okay, that's kind of the big one, this idea of apocalyptic literature and what that genre is about. There's two other quick ones I want to look at when we're thinking about what is Revelation all about. Um, the, The next is that it's also described as prophecy. Right there um, at the beginning of the book, um, this is described as a prophecy. And uh, this is probably a topic we've covered uh, more than apocalyptic literature. You know, normally when we think about prophecy, we think about 
something in the future being foretold and coming true. And while that is part of what prophecy is, what it really means from a biblical point of view is that um, the, it's, it's the word of God given through a prophet character. So the word of the Lord that is not just for the future, it's very relevant to the people hearing it now, but it may also have future implications. So when you read a lot of the prophetic books in the Old Testament, you can see that it does speak of future realities, but it's also got a very clear message for the people in that time about how they need to change or perhaps why they didn't change and this is what's happening. So when we think about prophecy, we have to hold these two ideas together that there is some future implication, but there's also a message for today. And I think we can see that coming out in the book of Revelation, especially here in the first three chapters. And then finally, the big one is that we often think about Revelation as a book that's just about the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it, and here's what that looks like. And even though we can't fully understand, that's what Revelation is about. And I, I want to push back on that a little bit, because while um, there are some, there's a lot that Revelation has to say about the future, it's also about what's happening then and there with these churches and with Christians all over the world. And primarily, it should be understood as um, being about the living Christ and the church now, the church at that time, what they were struggling with, uh, their, the persecution that they were facing, the unfaithfulness of some congregations, and the declining hope that was going on because of that persecution. Um, there's several references to things that we would call the end in Revelation or later events that take place. But if we, if we look at what's being described, especially here in chapter 2 and 3 that we'll look at more closely next week, there's instructions for the church then and there. Um, and it's trying to teach them how to better live into the kingdom of God in light of our future hope, in light of what the future looks like. So, if I were to sum all of that up, and again, I know it can be a little heavy, um, but I think it's needed to understand Revelation. But if I was to sum all of that up, I would say that Revelation and apocalyptic literature is its symbolic visions of a heavenly perspective on current or near future events in light of God's final outcome. So when we look all the way to the end, we know what that looks like. What does that tell us about right now? And then portraying that message through these very magnificent and awesome visions. It's kind of as it's kind of like Jesus is pulling back the curtain and allowing John to see the full reality of what's happening. So that is kind of what revelation is the nature of apocalyptic literature and hopefully that's helping us start to maybe put down our defenses a little bit and really be ready to engage with um, this message but before we do that before we um, get into that there's two other themes that i'd like to look at that are going to be ongoing throughout the book of revelation because um, I think it's important to know what's going on during the time that this was this message was given. And that speaks to these two themes that drive really the whole book. Um, and there's there's two things I want to look at. The first is Roman oppression on Christians, and the second is encouragement to struggling Christians in need of hope. So let's look at the first one. Um, Roman oppression. We know that um, during this time, the Roman Empire was everywhere. Uh, Christians were, from time to time, allowed to practice their religion and at other times persecuted because of that. This was a time of persecution under the Emperor Domitian, most likely. And what's interesting is 
There are times in apocalyptic literature that entire nations are symbolized or portrayed as statues or beasts, um, these, these very wild images. And there's, they're supposed to symbolize something. Instead of actually talking about you know, these specific nations, they're portrayed as these grand visions or these, these, this amazing imagery. Um, think back to Daniel chapter 7. Again, this is why it's so important that we understand Old Testament um, symbol, symbols so that we can understand kind of what's happening here in Revelation. So in Daniel chapter 7, he has this dream of these four beasts. And the beasts are representatives of these nations that w- did exist and would become superpowers. Um, and Daniel is told the first beast is Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, which was ruling at the time um, of Daniel. The second is the Medo-Persian Empire, which conquered the Babylonians. The third was the Greek Empire, which conquered the Medo-Persian Empire. And then finally, the Roman Empire, which conquered the Greeks. And now it um, is in power at the time that Revelation is given. So in the end, though, Daniel is shown this vision that while these beasts come one after another, that they're all devoured or that they're all conquered by this heavenly figure who appears to be a son of man descending from heaven. It sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? So this is clear use of that apocalyptic style, and we can see a lot of similarities in Revelation. And this is where it comes into play when um, John is given this revelation of hope during a time where they're being very oppressed. So in Revelation, there's really a strong critique of the Roman Empire, this beast or this Babylon, but it's really about what Rome uh, represents. It's not just about Rome. It's about all of these systematic human powers of evil disguised as civil religion or disguised as some force of goodness. Um, it's, so it really, this is like a theme that applies to all sorts of different human systems and institutions of evil. Um, what's interesting is that Rome believed that they were sent by their gods to bring order and peace to the world. You know, this Pax Romana. And they did this by using military force to subjugate other nations to conform to their way of life. Um, and what they did is they would make um, secular state practices or assemblies, they would make them sacred uh, by making any responsibilities to the state um, or worship of the state basically a sacred thing. And they would attribute sacred status to secular actions and institutions. So you can imagine that um, people who are Christian, who are not willing to give uh, allegiance to or worship um, a, a human emperor or Roman state practices, you can imagine how this brought them into conflict and it caused them to be oppressed and persecuted by the Romans. And so because of that, many Christians died um, they were losing hope, and that's why this message is so important, because in the end, the readers are reminded that Babylon, or this beast, is defeated. No human power, or no human evil, no human power or institution can withstand the power of God, and that all evil will be brought to an end. So that's a major theme here in Revelation. The other is one of Christian hope. Um, because of what was going on, these churches were really struggling under persecution. Many were falling back into ungodly patterns and behaviors, and that's what chapter 2 and 3 are going to be about. We'll look at that next week. Um, but they needed a reminder of hope, the hope that they have in this living Christ, that, that Christ is not dead, and that although times are tough, ultimately he is victorious, and so are those who are united to him. So that was a lot and again I I really encourage you if you if you want more or if you're still kind of struggling to understand revelation I'd really encourage you to um look at 
look at some of those resources. Again, we gotta you kind of have to be careful about um, what you're reading or listening to when it comes to Revelation because there's a lot of kind of crazy ideas out there about what it's about. Um, but we need to understand that these symbols have meaning. They had meaning for the people then, and they're supposed to give us hope and remind us of God's victory. So now that we've kind of done some of that legwork, what I really love to do, um, I mean, I do love to talk about all of this stuff if I'm, I'm not going to lie, but what I'd really love to do is get into this message. Um, what, what does Revelation have to say and, and what can we learn from it? There are three things that I'd um, really love to look at this morning. The first is uh, Jesus tells John to write this revelation, write this message on a scroll um, there in, uh, in verse 11. And this is an important piece, uh, an important part of, of revelation. It was that John was supposed to write this down and send it to these seven churches. Um, it tells it tells us that this is a message that is for these churches, and it's really a message that's supposed to be passed down. It's supposed to be shared with others, and that there were specific reasons that these churches were being written to. There were specific things going on. Um, it tells us that Revelation isn't just full of some hidden or secret knowledge or meaning about when the end of the world will be or what it will look like, or all these signs and symbols. It's it's not meant for us to be left in the dark. It's meant for us to be given hope and encouragement. These, these churches were being persecuted. They were struggling spiritually. They were losing hope. And I think in a lot of ways, these seven churches are not so different than maybe our church, our congregation, or other congregations. We have things that we can learn from the messages given to these churches. And we have things that we can learn or be reminded of in this entire vision of what God is doing in the world and what he will do. So this letter is two churches, it's four churches, and we have something to learn from it. The second thing is um, I want to look at the vision that John has here, that, that, that Jesus gives to him, um, which Jim read. So here we arrive at the first of many awe-inspiring visions that are going to take place here in Revelation. John sees these seven lampstands. Uh, he sees this heavenly figure like a son of man with uh, the feet and the, the, the eyes of fire and the, the sash. And he's got these seven stars and there's this double-edged sword coming out of his mouth and it's just like wow i mean what's going on here it's it's no wonder um how easily we can let our our imaginations run wild with speculation i mean what does this all mean it's i mean i can't imagine seeing something like that um it just blows our minds really but notice that jesus solves the mystery a few words later he he tells john what the vision symbolizes what it meant he says that these seven lampstands represent the seven churches that Jesus is about to give uh, this message to in the next two chapters. Uh, the stars are these angels which are watching over these churches or maybe delivering the message. Um, and then finally, we have this, this sword. Um, and here's where we need to be a little informed by the Old Testament, by Old Testament imagery. A sword was often used as a symbol for a word of judgment. Um, you can see that in Isaiah 49. Um, you can see it actually referenced here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 16, that this sword is representing a word of judgment, of correction. So sometimes this imagery is, is plainly explained. Um, other times we kind of need to rely on Old Testament sources um, and other background information to, to understand. But in this instance, John sees a vision of the Lord Jesus who is addressing these seven churches. He's sending them a message tailored for each of them. But Jesus is not really just speaking to John. You know, 
like I mentioned before, he really is pulling back the curtain and he's allowing John to get a heavenly glimpse, a heavenly perspective of what Jesus is doing and saying to these churches. It reminds me of Paul's language in Ephesians 6 where he says, Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world. There are heavenly realities going around that we're not always aware of. And when John sees them, it's so so powerful that um, he you know tries to explain the best we can understand what he is seeing. And thankfully, Jesus helps uh, clarify the things that he can understand. <clears throat> this brings me to the to the last thing I want to look at, and the real message that Jesus has for John, for these churches, and I think for all of us. So John sees this uh, amazing vision, and the first reaction he has is to fall down at the feet of Jesus as if he has died. Probably an appropriate response to seeing something so magnificent. But Jesus' reply to John is so crucial to the entire theme of Revelation. He says, Fear not, I am the first and the last. The living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. One of the most common phrases used by God uh, to humans and all of Scripture is do not be afraid. So this is a message of both comfort and hope. Jesus is comforting John immediately in his distress. Um, Daniel needed the same kind of comfort. Ezekiel needed the same kind of comfort when they saw these kind of visions. And Jesus is bringing hope because he reminds John and all of his followers that Jesus is victorious over death. He says, I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys. Death has no hold over him. And it has no hold over those who are united with him as well. So this message of fear not is is both for John and all and all Christians and it's for us as well because we truly have nothing to fear. And that's something that Revelation is going to show to us over and over again. So throughout the rest of the the book and throughout the rest of the series, hopefully we'll see these two ideas hold true. One that who we are in Christ or we who are in Christ have nothing to fear. And two, Jesus is victorious over evil and death. We've got obviously a lot more to cover over the next uh, coming weeks, and I'll leave all the hard stuff to Chris. Thankfully, he can explain what all of these marks and symbols uh, mean, uh, so I'll leave him the hard things. Um, but you know, we did a lot of kind of legwork today, but I, I don't want to leave you without something to really chew on. And so as uh, as we kind of wrap things up, I, I really want to encourage you to reflect on three questions. Um, spend some time, really carve out some time this week to think about this for yourself, but also discuss these things with, with some other people, with, with other friends or um, fellow believers. Um so here are the questions I, I really want you to think about today as we think about the message that Jesus gives John in Revelation chapter 1, to not be afraid, do not fear. The first is, knowing that the story ends in the complete victory of God, what in my life is truly worthy of fear? You know, fear leads to anger, fear leads to laziness, fear leads to hatred of others, fear leads to shallow relationships. And Jesus' message here is, do not fear. The second question is, are there things in your life that are given over to fear? Are there things that maybe motivate you out of fear to act or to believe or to move? And then finally, how can Jesus lead me out of that fear? Because right from the get-go, with even with all this kind of crazy stuff ahead of us right from the get-go we're told do not be afraid jesus has the keys over death he is the living one
And I'd like to leave us this morning with these words from Isaiah chapter 43, which are quickly becoming some of my favorite. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Thanks for listening and I'm I'm hope you're you're really excited about this new series on Revelation. I'm going to turn things over now to to uh, Chris or we're going to enter into uh, we'll enter into a time of communion. So I uh... I want to thank Kyle because you may not know this. What he's just done is essentially uh, like an entire semester's worth of uh, academic work for you uh, in being able to understand a lot of what we're going to be talking about in this sermon series. Some really strong and profound thoughts about how to handle apocalyptic literature, uh, how to handle the book of Revelation, and what it means to us. and I really appreciated the, the final comments he had on the book this morning, specifically in regards to the words of Jesus. And as we move into our time of communion, I want to reflect on those words. Jesus uses uh, this phrase, fear not, or, or do not be afraid. And then he says, I am the first and last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. There are a lot of confessions we can make about Jesus and if we make no other confession than that confession uh, we are we are beginning to be on the right track that Jesus is the one that is alive and it's only in him that we can find life. Jesus is the one that has the keys to death and Hades. He, he holds eternity and the keys to eternity. And he's the one that can can give us access to those things. And in that we should take great comfort. In that we should find a tremendous amount of hope. Because if he is our hope, we have no fear of death. We have no fear of the scariest parts of the book of Revelation. We have no fear uh, even of the wrath of God. Because Jesus has told us not to fear. If we are his, he's, he is the one that gives us hope. He's not a, a target of, of uh, uh, fright. He's not the thing that brings us uh, terror. He's the bring, thing that brings us joy, that brings us peace, that brings us comfort. And the words of this book should be a comfort to us. Um, we have this morning the opportunity to remember Jesus we have, we have bread and we have a cup. Uh, and we remember his body in the bread. We remember the hope that we have that came from his, his incarnation, his, his putting on of the flesh so that he could face death in the flesh and overcome it. So he could make that statement about himself. I was dead and I am now alive forever and ever. We have the, the blood, the cup, to remind us that he has shed his blood. And as we go through Revelation, that's going to be a really significant symbol. That's going to be something that we uh, we find is not just necessary, but a beautiful image as well about redemption, about uh, his, his willingness to redeem us. And so as we take communion this morning, as Kyle and I take communion, as, as you take communion, uh, we are remembering this statement about Jesus. He's the first and the last. He was dead and is alive forever and ever. And he's given us that same hope. And so let's, uh, let's go ahead and we will pray over both the bread and the cup. And then I'll invite you to take it. And uh, we will move into uh, the songs for our worship this morning after that. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we have great hope in you. We have a God who loves us, a God who desires so greatly for us to be with him that he came to be with us. 
that, that Jesus put on flesh, that he walked in this world, that he, he sought to combat death. That it was not something that he turned away from, but he chose to take on the cross for himself so that he could have the victory over death, so that he could hold the keys to death itself. And Father, we, we take great joy in the knowledge that he has overcome death and given us the opportunity to do the same. We have no fear. We have nothing to be afraid of if Jesus is our hope. That the thing that has, has hung as the greatest fear over most human beings uh, for, for most of history is, is something to be unfeared by your people. And we take this now in remembrance of Jesus, the one who is alive forever and ever. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We want to remind you that there are still opportunities to give. Uh, there's still a lot of work that the church is doing in our community and in our world. Uh, and you can help to support that work, uh, both by being actively involved in it yourself, but also by offering, uh, by giving. Uh, and you can do that through mailing in a check or dropping it off at the office. Uh, you can also set up bill pay or you can give online. And there's a link for that on the church website and in the description uh, down below here on uh, our YouTube video. Uh, I invite you now into uh, our, our singing portion of worship. Um, the songs that are chosen this morning are intended to help us remember that these words are for us. They are for God's church and that we have a king in heaven who sits upon a throne who is not distant from us but is very concerned about uh, the activities of our world and about our security and our safety um, and about, uh, about his ultimate triumph for us. And so let's continue our worship as we reflect on those themes and those thoughts. Hello. Uh, we're here to wrap things up, but before we do, I actually have a quick announcement. Uh, the teens are planning to do kind of like a mission stay. We weren't able to do a mission trip. So this summer, we hope to stay here in Newburgh and serve people by doing work projects and all sorts of things. We hope to partner with a few different organizations. I'm still kind of working on getting all of that together. And that's where I could really use your help. One of the things that I really hope to achieve with this is to serve regular people in Newburgh outside of our congregation. We might do some serving with people in our congregation, but I really want to focus our efforts out. So we're planning to do this August 24th through 28th. What I could really use some help from from you all is 
I need to know where we can serve people. So maybe you have a neighbor or you know of someone in the community that um, really needs yard work done or needs their house painted but they can't do it, anything like that. I'm looking for connections from all of you to other people that we can serve, that we can show the love of Jesus. So if you know of anyone in the community that uh, could maybe use something like that, I would love it if you would pass me uh, their information. You can email it to me, you can send it to me on Facebook, whatever is easiest to you. Um, you can email it to the office too, and Norma can get it to me. But if you know of people that we can serve, that our teens can serve later this summer, please let me know. I'd really appreciate it. We want to thank you all for being a part of the live stream this morning. Uh, I want to let you know that over the next couple of weeks, there are going to be some longer videos uh, that are going up on our YouTube page that are going to be readings from the book of Revelation, covering uh, the passages that we will cover on the Sunday that comes after. Um, I'm a firm believer that Revelation is a book that's best read out loud, uh, that there's a lot to be uh, benefited from when we read it together. I'd encourage you, sit down, make a, a little bit of time uh, this week, and maybe read the whole book. It sounds daunting, but it's such a, a powerful book when it's read from beginning to end. Um, as others have said, uh, the Bible Project's resources on this book are fantastic, and they will help a lot in understanding the conversations we're going to be having uh, this is a series that I've been excited about. I know uh, Kyle has uh, put a lot of effort into these next uh, couple, this this morning and next week's lesson, um, and I just think there's so much powerful material in this book. Um, and so I really encourage you uh, take time to get to know the Book of Revelation over the next couple of weeks, and uh, as we go through the series, I think I think you'll be blessed by it. Um, thank you again. Uh, for all those who helped participate in worship this morning, and thank you for being with us today. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to know that we are worshiping together even as we're apart. Uh, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye. Bye. Awesome. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Kyle. That was a fantastic lesson. Thank you. Uh, no joke when I say it was it was a very well thought out, concise semester's worth of material. You know, you did a good job of encapsulating uh, an entire course, really. I mean, it, it could have been, and you did a good job of it. So I'm, I'm excited. Well, clearly there's a lot of much better scholarship <laughs> than all that stuff. Absolutely. Well, that's we get to benefit from the generations that came before, right? And and those who are still out there writing hey, fantastic Before we work. all leave, can we do a prayer out here for Nicole and for Alex? Because yeah. it's a big week Alex for is, uh, surgery. Alex is having a catheter put in oh, for dialysis great. on Tuesday. It was supposed yeah. to be wow. yeah. in like two weeks. But uh, Nicole's got...